Someone once told me that no one says life is fair. When you hear that when you're young, you have no idea what it really means. Once you've lived a little, and then you lose everything, suddenly it makes sense. This podcast is a true life memoir of someone who lost everything and is rebuilding in search of who they once were. They're sharing their story as part of their healing process and so that anyone else out there living through similar circumstance knows that they're not alone. Dave the clone here. I'm not sure how long this one will be, this entry. It's been a week of oddity as the time draws ever nearer to a new home, new beginnings. And there's a an odd sense of anxiety that hangs in the air. But I think it's becoming clearer and clearer to me that it's it's a lot more to do with the sort of PTSD flashback sense of it all. You know, it's it's the as I'm about to pack my TV and the last video game console and my computers up to make the move actually real and complete and remembering moments that the last time they happened were two years ago, the last time I had to move under duress and I remember how me packing my TV was taken as a um, a sign that it was beyond reckoning now that I was fully gone uh, text messages and, and private messages and communications I should have erased by now but I just remember one that cut so deep that after she watched me packing my TV to take it over to storage for a few months before I figured out where I was going and this message, I guess we're not going to have another any more conversations after all. When we had just agreed earlier that day that we would talk later, I just... I just remember being in such a state that I was like, yeah, I still want to talk. No, this doesn't feel like it's over, but so much of my stability and safety have been threatened that, no, I'm not dumb enough to leave anything I feel uh, valuable within reach of being destroyed out of random outburst retribution.
But that was just more symptom of the problem, right? You know, the, oh, I guess we're not going to have that conversation after all. The, you told me to fucking leave. You told me to get my shit out of there. I'm getting my shit out of there. And now you're using the fact that I'm getting my shit out of here as a sign for you to feel like the victim. And here I am, years, literal fucking years later. And it still hurts. I call my life a mess a lot of the time these days, and my brother-in-law, God bless him, he always is trying to steer my perspective a little bit back towards something positive, something that would actually have a purpose. And he's like, your life is what it is, it's not a mess, you're rebuilding, you're, you're just in transit. You're in a transitional phase. I just... I wonder if I'll be able to have my eyes open enough to realize anytime soon the good that is around me and feel okay about it. You know, it's, it's, uh, I had another promising job interview today, so I can already picture the next few months being very different. There's a certain sense of uh, almost back-to-school feeling that'll come with uh, the fact that the one I'm most likely to get is not set up to be hybrid or work from home. It's going to be five days a week going into the office. And, you know, I'm sitting here in the park that has become so familiar to me, the place that I would go for my daily walks. And then every time I would go for one at different times of the morning, but still in the morning... Um, I realized that, you know, should I get back to a place that I recognize as normal, right? You know, the, the place where we all have to get up and go somewhere every day to earn our keep, to be able to keep a roof above our heads and food on the table and clothes on our backs and be able to buy my nephews and niece Christmas presents and birthday presents. Speaking of which, I owe them birthday presents, my one niece and my one nephew. I'm pretty sure I may have even missed their birthday, one of them by this point in the month. So I'll have to do something about that soon. Um, I knew that for as much as I've been complaining about this new lifestyle, there were certain conveniences I was going to have to get ready to lose, like the ability to just go down to Virginia or Delaware whenever I felt like it. To be, able, to be able to pick up on a whim and say, hey, I'm coming down tonight and I'll stay till whenever I feel like leaving if that's okay. Never more than a few days, you know. I don't want to overstay my welcome. But I feel like there's clearly a part of me that understands the significance of what having the more structured life that I had left back how healthy that would be for me in this recovery and at this point as much as it hasn't been as productive a time as I wish it would have been 
as much as I hung my hat and my hopes on hooks that were flimsily attached to walls that weren't really there. I'd be lying if I didn't get, say that I, there was a certain level of uh, complacency in the groove that had set in, you know, the having the freedom to structure your own day. But uh, the feeling incomplete, the feeling unwhole, the feeling hollow needs to stop. And I'm anxious to see if the morning panic attacks dissipate once I'm in the new place. There'll be some new challenges and some growing pains and some learning curves there, but I feel like I'm prepared for them. Or preparing for them in any case. And, uh... It'll be what it'll be. There was another opportunity that came up that I was really hoping to hear something of an update on. But I've also gotten used to this whole phenomenon of, uh, okay, you have a great opening interview, and then they say, well, you know, you'll hear back in a week to find out if you got shortlisted for the next phase or if you're moving on to the next phase. And then they become immature, childish bitches and just ghost you. They don't pick up your call. They don't follow up. They send you that safely written by the legal team. Thank you for your interest, but we'll be we're not going to move forward with your candidacy or we've moved on with someone else and you're just like, "Listen, I do feel a bit like I may have dodged a bullet with some of you organizations." If you don't have the consternation to actually be able to face these situations and have an honest conversation with a person that you reached out to or you responded to something that you liked on their resume and then all of a sudden, what, you hand it to the woke brigade? Was layer two supposed to be the fucking 20-something who's only been out of college for a couple of years who has multi- multicolored hair and... and uh, they're the ones who are going to decide who gets to come to the next level. And when they see a 43-year-old cisgender white guy, they're like, nah, I don't give a shit what experience he has or how good at the job he'll be. We're not about that life anymore. You know, that's... And I'm sure there's a certain level of ignorance assuming that that's what it is, but some of these jobs that I reached out to, some of these jobs I applied for, felt too shoe-in perfect for me to have not at least gotten that second conversation. Now, I've had people, a lot of very well-ensconced, high-up-in-company type people look at my resume and say, dude, your resume is awesome. And I keep saying, well, what the fuck is on it that is making them toss it into the garbage can, you know? I mean, apparently you have to have like 12 different resumes and you have to constantly be changing it so that it matches the keywords. But where's the honesty there? If I'm, if I'm tailoring my resume 
and using words I wouldn't normally use just so it fucking meets your algorithm. How is that being honest? So you want to start this relationship off on lies? If I were working there for several years and then you found out I was lying to you, I would probably be let go, wouldn't I? So that's where we're starting, though. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I get that the world doesn't make a whole lot of sense right now. But when you break down the combination of the lazy factor of using the algorithm to review submissions and then hiding behind all these new ideologies and and trying to increase your ESG score as opposed to making sure you're putting the, the person with the most talent and qualifications into these positions. I mean, how is this a recipe for success? And then to, to have the world have the gall to turn around and complain about the welfare state when a generation seems to have, as a, a podcast I listen to, so brilliantly put it, pulled up the ladder behind them so that anybody in a generation before theirs, should they fall on the tough times or hardship of being unemployed, can't become employed. So should we just go die in the street? Is that your plan? Is that your progressive? Is that your modern? Is that your in-touch And making sure everybody's protected perspective. You don't care. You only care that the bodies in the streets are of the people you don't like. And you want equality. Okay. It's pretty funny how... A society that has achieved as much as we have... Achieved a level of comfort so pervasive that this has become the popular attitude. You have time to worry about the shit that you worry about. It's it's hilarious to me. But, you know, it is what it is, and here I am at the same time crying about what putting my TV in my car meant two years ago and trying to break that recall as I get ready to put my TV in my car now. Try to go into this new situation without the baggage of the old situation. But it's been a pretty obvious avoidance on my side. I could feel that I, as much as this was coming, and it's undeniable, as it got closer and closer, like, you know, I'm like, oh, well, today I can spend, because I packed the last couple days, today I could spend doing work, and I do have one of my clients constantly hitting me up, because now, months after they introduced a project, (laughs) you know, now all of a sudden they're getting ready and going, okay, where are we on that? And I'm like, did you do any of the shit you guys needed to do? (laughs) Like, I sent you back a wish list. I need some stuff from y'all. And now I'm the one who's going to have to sort of rush to, to catch up to get us to where we want it to be. This is life. 
I just want to make sure I'm going to be able to enjoy the holidays this year. You know, it's uh, summer is sort of mostly or at least half over. And I feel like I'm very thankful I got to enjoy some of it and remember what summer was like. But, you know, getting ready to go back to the grind. Fingers crossed because I could use the steady income. The hope turns to, all right, well, I just hope I get to be able to spend time at the holidays with my nephews and my niece and my family and be able to kick the next year off feeling better. I started this year feeling really optimistic. You know, I, I was really positive mindset about this sales job that I start, that I tried but I feel like I kind of got a little conned by the illusion being sold by the company. You know, there are these companies that pop up. Sometimes they're selling knives that could cut the leather of your shoe in case your foot is ever trapped in there, as Seinfeld once pointed out hilariously. Or Tupperware, or I don't know, ad agreements in community magazines. And the people who are bringing you on board and sort of training you, they really, you know, they get you pumped, man. You think it's going to happen. You're going to be making six figures this year. Guaranteed. You follow the formula, it's going to work. You do 15 presentations, three will be sales. And when you're 20 or so, 25 or so, 30 or so down the line and no one has bought from you, you start to go, well, shit, what's this about? I mean, I didn't have a lot of cash. I didn't have a lot of gas in the tank to start with, man. And I'm driving around and I'm trying. And uh, it's not really happening and the tank is getting emptier and emptier. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And at the same time, you're up my ass going, why aren't, why aren't any of these sales happening? Why are you letting people tell you to call them back in a couple months? I don't know, man, because you have a really expensive product that people who are just bouncing back from a global pandemic are having a hard time justifying spending the kind of money you want them to spend on it. How about that? And the ones of you that are making money doing this... I don't know how you're doing it. I, there's also that possibility that I just am not a salesman. Uh, I mean, I watched Glen Gary, Glen Ross so many times trying to think about how that life would be. <laughs> would I be a Ricky would I be a Ricky Roma or would I be Gene the Machine? And then once I stopped trying that, the video thing picked up. So, I don't know, that could be a message from the universe. But I lost a lot of that optimism and positive energy. Even my sister recently said, you know, you were so forward-thinking and, and you were so optimistic. You had such a positive attitude and outlook, and it's like you sort of slipped back. And... She's not wrong, <laughs> you know, there's, there's something to be said 
about that not working out and then this whole thing with uh, the foundation being shaken by the people owning the house I was renting in putting it up for sale it's sort of like in one re- in one respect I take it as the universe trying to say get away from these fucking jerks that you're living with with even regardless of whether or not they have malice in their heart they're Lack of ambition Even if they say they have ambition Their obvious lack of acting on it And their slovenly ways of living Are dragging you down into the muck And so if you're not going to get off your ass If you're going to become complacent in The affordability of continuing to live there We're going to have to kick you into gear. We're going to have to do something to get you moving because maybe there's big shifts about to happen in the universe. And if you're not in a better spot when that happens, it's going to be curtains for you. And if that's the case, then, you know, thank you, universe. I'm very cool with that. You know, there are a lot of affirmations, I say, where I'm talking directly to the universe. And if that were the case, if that's a way in which a prayer for guidance and help is being answered you know this is what they say when they say he works in mysterious ways it's this kind of shit we're like look man on its face it might not make a lot of sense and you might be sitting there going fuck these people if i if i had just another year of being able to earn the way i'm earning with my clients now and not have such an increase in my living expenses while I figure out how to get on the crab with another steady job, you know, but maybe it's for the best that I can't see and I won't be able to see until it's over. It's this sort of the getting through the membrane, you know, the stepping through the force field, the going through the steps, the putting the TV in the car and driving it to another place. You know, change was always a big deal for me. I always had a a sense of difficulty around change. And uh, I'm sure if that were something I had been able to deal with earlier in life, maybe I would have made different decisions and would be in a different position now. But here's this is where I'm at. This is where my adventure has led me. So, um... So I'm going to hold on to that being the truth of it. Because the other side is just, well, shit happens. I mean, the other way of looking at it is that the universe is working against me. Like, oh, yeah, look at you. You would have been able to keep building that pile of money up faster and faster if you didn't have to find someplace more expensive to live. Well, you know what? Fuck you. (laughs) I mean, this is how you level up, though, right? You know, that whole idea of... Breaking the cocoon is nature's way of preparing you for the the strength necessary to survive. So this is the cocoon that I needed to break out of, and I was being forced along. So even looking at it through the negative, it automatically sort of transitioned itself into a positive. So now the next goal would be to have all this happening without these twinges of pain about the past. You know, the last episode I was talking about how I feel like I just can't fully let go. 
and maybe this is just a symptom of my sentimentality, you know, maybe this is just a symptom of seeing the similarity and not, you know, it's almost like in that movie Looper when uh, the young Bruce Willis and the older Bruce Willis from the future are concurrently living in the same timeline and young Joe (laughs) is having double vision at times and so is old Joe because memories of one reality that already happened and one reality that is currently happening and happening differently are trying to occupy the same mind you know maybe there's a certain level of that going on that I have to be able to start to erase the previous path because it's two years ago it's not the same thing happening again you know that, that, that time I was running for my life This time I'm not necessarily running for my life Though my survival was put in jeopardy Not necessarily though I guess if I really think about it In terms of I had the ability within myself To deal with it So it, while it may have seemed that way It was really just The cocoon becoming too tight To continue to live in And, and my growth forcing me to find A freer habitat But um, I had no idea where I was going the last time I was putting the TV in a storage unit And then crashing in my sister's basement Now at least I'm taking it somewhere where One, it's not hours away And two, when I get there I'll be able to just put it right back up And plug it in And get signed on to the Wi-Fi And slam the fire stick in there And be able to watch Deadliest Catch in the background While I'm continuing to unpack and get get comfy in the new digs it's interesting how sometimes you can talk yourself out of the darkness you know sometimes you just have to just be frank with yourself or at least not ignore like I used to ignore red flags not ignore the possibilities of positivity, right? The mysterious ways of it all. You know, it's funny how these days U2 has sort of landed in the previously held by Nickelback territory of there's a generation that just says, oh, fuck you two. They all, everything by them sucks. You know, like uh, when someone says, oh, what's your favorite U2 song? And they say, none of them. And then there's people who just have never heard you 2 which is sort of like, are you... They were a foundation block for my generation. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, U2 is like uh, on the level of the Rolling Stones, (laughs) you know? Um, But yeah, man, that... uh, Was it Zuropa that had Mysterious Ways on it? Fuck, now I gotta look this up. Yeah, that song Mysterious Ways I always knew I liked it I always knew it was a big deal That song for me But uh, I never understood What Mysterious Ways Like meant Until now (laughs) And, And realizing The pervasiveness Of those Mysterious Ways Everything that looks on its face To be one thing You just got to start peeling away those layers of the cocoon and look at it through a different lens. Let's see here. You two. 
Oh no, it's Octung Baby. Octung Baby. That definitely, oh, what a great album. I remember there was a summer while I was in college and I was working as an electrician's assistant. And we were working on a friend of my boss's house and he had just like a handful of CDs, you know? And sometimes you would be working on these jobs and people would be very anti you having any kind of music on. Those jobs sucked. But jobs where they would let you listen to music were fucking awesome. And this guy had Billy Idol's greatest hits and Octung Baby. And holy shit, man, it was like a certain level of religious experience for some reason. Like, like those two albums then became staples of that summer. This had to be summer of 99, I would think. I'm trying to think of what year. Yeah, summer 99. Everything pre-9-11, man. I really ha- I feel so bad for anyone who, who didn't get to experience the pre-9-11 world. 9-11 very clearly was the doorway to the sort of uh, dismay that we all live through. The malaise. That, that mysterious malaise I keep referring to when I describe... Elements of my life But yes, the malaise Like a fog Or weather system (laughs) You know That was the first Slash And scratch of the record For any of us that had This Unearned and undyingly Hopeful view of the future You know, growing up in the 80s and 90s At an impressionable age, right? Like, I think I started kindergarten in 86. Is that possible? Yeah, because I was 6 or 85, maybe. I think 85 I started. You really felt, as a child growing up in that time zone... You know, you hear about this mystical time of the 60s a lot. And how that was a big paradigm shift, but you felt like a lot of ground had been covered before you showed up for the show, you know, a lot of foundation had been laid, a lot of progress had been made, a lot of construction had been completed, a lot of destruction had been deleted, and the world seemed like a pretty fucking cool place, and and all of the future felt like it was the sort of boring parts of movies, you know, like one day you're going to wind up in your house, you're going to have your wife and kids or your husband and your kids or whatever, whatever floats your boat and you're going to have your job, you're going to get your one job, you're going to stay at it until you're an old person and retire from it and off that retirement you're going to be able to travel the world and see the sights and relax and go swimming all the damn time. If you were really lucky, you'd hit it big while you were still in the working world and be able to take those vacations when you were young enough to really have the energy for them. I think that's a fear I still have. And feeling my age as much as I do, which I'm sure still there are people out there older than me listening to this who cringe every time I say that because they say, fuck you, dude, wait 10 years. Wait do you see what it feels like at 53. And I'm thinking to myself right now, if I feel even a fucking fraction of the way I feel now at 53, it's game over, man. I'm just going to go be a hermit somewhere 
to go fucking wander the earth like caning kung fu, you know, because the not having a foundation sucks. And I have to wrestle with the fact that I made it known that that was one of my greatest fears and I handed that ammunition to my ex to use against me. Uh, but at the same time, if it was such a great fear of mine, why was I so willing to risk it? And that's one of the things that occurred to me as I got to the park today. I mean, I already had already walked 12,000 steps before I got here, so this is just sort of cherry on the top kind of stuff. And it's also a little bit of a farewell tour. Uh, going to places I'm not going to be going to anymore. I'm going to have to find a new place to walk. And then if I get a nine to five, I'm going to have to find a new time. I'm going to have to schedule these things a little differently. From what I understand, though, I think this place, this studio that I'm interviewing with, I think they're a 10 to six shop, which is fucking sweet. Because that means I can strategically get around the rush hour traffic in the morning and I might be able to get up as early as I've been getting up now and do at least part of the walk in the morning and maybe part of the walk at night. All right, fuck it, join a gym. <laughs> Imagine that idea. Join a gym. I used to like going to the gym. It's a little bit of a scary place these days with all these weird social media maven psychopaths trying to manufacture more drama. Like, we don't have enough manufactured drama dominating our psyche already. Trying to set up their camera and then, you know, bait people into looking at them and then turn around and say, how dare you look at me and harass me and blah, 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 blah. You know, it almost makes you want to not go to the gym. But if you don't go to the gym, then that shit wins. Just like the terrorists of 9-11, you cannot stop going out into the world and doing the things that you want to do. And so I think some of that attitude probably should be applied to this PTSD stuff about not having hope for any relationships going forward because just because it happened with this one this way, just because none of the ones before it were, you know, as rose-colored as they looked through the glasses I used to wear, doesn't mean that there won't be one. It's funny, uh, this friend I caught up with after... A 15-year stint of silence Was starting to tell me a little bit And we're going to catch up more He's going to help me move And we're going to go grab lunch And I'm sure we'll start hanging out Because he lives not far from where I'm moving to And he said, you know Not too long ago A couple years ago Maybe a year and a half ago He was in a similar a situation Not too dissimilar from mine and he said, yeah, it gets dark, man, you know, like, it, it's it's tough. And, and I know that when you're in it, it can look like it's never going to get any better. And I even had a, a friend on Facebook who commented on one of my posts. And it's someone who I've never met in person, and she lives pretty far away, so there's probably not much chance we're going to meet in person unless I start traveling because of some unforeseen shift in success for me and I am suddenly blessed with the resources to be able to do things more at my leisure than at other people's behest uh, but both of them said you know it can get really hard um, when you're in it and you feel alone and just knowing that there are people around, even if they're just internet friends or friends you haven't spoken to in 15 years, helps. But the friend I hadn't spoken to in 15 years said, you cannot ever 
let go of it's not even hope it's just knowing that this isn't permanent and that it will get better and that you'll find your way back you can never go allow yourself to go down the rabbit hole and get stuck in the mindset that it's never going to change or get any better i mean the fact that i'm already going to be in a living in a better situation regardless of its uh, increase in expense and challenge in that way to make sure I secure it uh, is gonna do wonders for my perspective you know so I think I need to get better at not allowing the intrusive thoughts of oh man you know now you're gonna be back on the grind you're not gonna be able to just go walking when you feel convenient or you're not gonna be able to spend five days visiting family in Delaware or Virginia. All right, cool. So I can spend two. All right. If I really wanted to, I could do it every fucking weekend. I'm sure I could go to one, one weekend, another, another weekend. My uncle up in Poughkeepsie has been begging me to come up and visit for a long time. And I keep telling him I will and then keep pushing it off because of life shit like this. I mean, at least I have those options. I'm grateful for that. I am grateful for the people I have in my life. And I do feel badly that they see me (laughs) struggling and that they see me post things like it feels like I'm alone. Because when I'm not with them, I don't feel grounded. You know, like when I was down there for 4th of July, it felt like I was back in the world that made sense. And as soon as I drive away, when I'm halfway back to this, Existence that I'm sort of just going through There is this huge It's like feels like I've traversed a, a galaxy Or it feels like I've been deployed It feels like I'm on assignment Like like on the impossible, impossible mission force And I might not make it back And I always have that rattling around in my mind That like did I say I love you to everybody Because what if this was one of those times where a freak car accident ends the show? You know? I imagine this must be what my friends are referring to when they say I'm being too hard on myself. And this definitely is intrusive thoughts, right? Because I literally right now... Mostly should be concerned about getting some dinner and getting back to get some editing done so that I can get some invoices out this week once I move, but that way, thus alleviating the, um, <laughs> thus alleviating the concern over costs. I'm sorry, I, I just happened to check my phone and the first thing I see is this picture a friend of mine posted and it says a paper straw and a plastic wrapper (laughs) the green movement in a single picture (laughs) yeah we've definitely lost our fucking way as a society it's like it's just like stupidity has the wheel (laughs) and that's just like a microcosm of it you know and and the layers that i just piled upon each aspect and every angle of my situation and then to look at that picture and go dude you're worried about figuring it out when this shit is being is mainstream (laughs) you know what i mean a paper fucking straw in a plastic bag that's gonna get glued with toxic glue to the back of a juice box that probably isn't quite as biodegradable as they wish it was
Yep, we are silly creatures. We are frail vessels, as John from Cincinnati, Johnny Monad, would say. Monad is an anagram for nomad, right? Just the N and the M are swapped. Yeah, I didn't plan on actually recording one of these uh, entries today. It's only the day after the last one I recorded, so that means it's, uh, if this is the 18th, then I'm 214 days sober. I want to say a shout-out to my friend Sarah, who posted on Facebook that she's 212 days sober. I didn't realize that I started two days before her, but it's good to know that that's a demon a bunch of us are fighting, and a lot of us are winning. I'm going to really feel good when it's day 365. That's a 365 worth celebrating. You know? That's a true 365. I don't know if everybody's picking up what I'm putting down with that comment. Some of you are, some of you probably aren't, and it's okay. Like the therapist said, sometimes we should not be as focused on the big and huge things that we can't personally ourselves in this moment, on this day, do anything about. At least not in a way that would be beneficial for our mental health and growth and progress. One of the things I need to get better at is focusing on the now. I'm clearly, and that's, if you want to, if you want to knock my generation in, in some way, that that is, you know, we were a sentimental generation. You know, I, especially in packing for this move, I am such a fucking hoarder at heart. You know, there are so many things, even now, that I'm still having a hard time purging. Um, And I know just from the pain in the ass aspect of it, the chore of it, I really need to get better about because I was even thinking to myself, all right, dude, you know, let's say... You know, a lot of it has been able to fit at the new place, which is awesome. <clears throat> but even the, the landlady slash new roommate was like, wow, dude, how much shit do you have? I'm like, yeah, 43 years worth. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, should I even still be keeping CDs? I got crates and crates of CDs. I tried to offload them <clears throat> when I was in Virginia. I, I went through declutter. I scanned all of them. They were willing to give me 10 cents for some of them, which I was like, fuck you. I paid $15 for these when they were new. And I know that there's no real market for them anymore, but, you know, I'm from the generation that, you know, some things were supposed to go up in value the longer you held on to them. Comic books in that way. And so then I, 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 there was a record store that was supposed to be a known place that would buy CDs. I took my CDs there. They looked through one of the crates. They took three of them, and they gave me $4.50 for them. One of them I really regret. I, it was Pisces Iscariot by Siamese Dream. I mean, by Siamese, by Smashing Pumpkins. And it's, um, it's funny because I kept my stuff in good condition. You would have think. You would think that would have counted for something. But, uh, and then I'm sure they're going to turn around and sell it for a couple bucks more than I, than they paid me for it. And so this whole idea of, you know, even with Pokemon cards, you know, I, I got my nephew a box of Pokemon cards for his birthday. 
I paid 17 bucks for two decks and one of them opens their cards and in his deck he's got one card that's worth 100 bucks and another card that's worth 200 bucks and I was like holy shit I'm going to start buying these every other month, you know, every other week or at least every month I'll buy a $17 set where I'm guaranteed a certain number of holograms. But then I thought to myself, well, it's not like there's an ATM I can just go cash these things in at. It's not like the casino where you scan in your receipt for how you did and they give you back the cash. And I said to my brother-in-law, because my nephews are the ones who are into Pokemon, and when they get the cards, I'm like, do they sell these? Like, how do you do this? He goes, well, you know, you could go on eBay or you could look for stores, but, you know, you got to keep in mind, if you go to a store, they're going to try to turn around and sell it, so they're not going to give you that 100 bucks. They'll maybe give you 70 or 50 you know? They're going to haggle you. So it's all a fucking racket, this whole idea of, like, your collectibles being able to save your ass. You know, like, at the end of 40-Year-Old Virgin, when... He sold all of the toys that he kept in mint condition and he got like half a million dollars. It's like, yeah, that shit's not happening. Hey. Not only was that oi about the collectibles, I got one I got one of those uh form letters <laughs> in my email from Creative Circle. Oh, and it's an auto-reply. We received your submitted application for the video editor role, and then it doesn't even list what it is, online. But unfortunately, that position was since filled by another candidate. Sometimes this happens, and we strive to keep you in the loop. We post new jobs to our website every day, so please check back for other roles that may fit your background and skill set and continue to apply. We're here to help you find your next gig. Best creative circle. Well, clearly not this time, assholes. Are you fucking serious? We're here to help you, except for now when you need help. <laughs> right? Oh, Jesus. And I just, you know, I've been trying to really spin all of those mentally for myself. Like, oh, look, dude, any of, the, any of these ones you're not getting, trust me, it's probably for the best because if you would have got them, you would have got there and you would have found out that you work with a bunch of fucking lunatics or something and you would have wanted to kill yourself, but you would have still, you know, had that idea in your mind of it's better to be dealing with this shit than dealing with not being able to afford rent or food. So I'll put up with it for a couple more years and then there goes time down the drain. You know, <laughs> you know, after spending a decade and a half at a place that was slowly but surely constantly eroding away my soul, I didn't realize how much I was being sustained by annual trips to Vegas for conferences, which were like short lived little like uh, dopamine hits, right? You don't really want to go into doing that again when you're starting to realize the weight and the depth of the debt of wasted time. There's not a lot left to waste. There wasn't a lot to begin with. Everything's got to be a move in the right direction now. If there's anything you could take positive from this bout with PTSD flashbacks is that, you know... You're not running for your life the way you were the last time. And for all you know, you're going to your salvation now, so... I think that's enough. I think it's time for me to go get some halal food for the last time from a place that uh, will now be too far away for it to be convenient for me to continue to get from at the new place. At least there's a diner 
that makes incredible stuffed cabbage. And they are going to be close enough to be able to get from at the new place. So not everything is such a huge paradigm shift that I need to really like let go of it all. And plus, if I get this job at this studio, it's surrounded by restaurants that every time I've driven there in the past, I've been like, oh man, that'll be interesting to try. And if I'm there all the time, part of the new rhythm, I'm sure, will be not only stopping at the grocery store that's near the studio to buy my groceries on the way home from work, not only finding a job that's somewhere in that commute as well, a job, a gym somewhere in that commute that will make it more convenient to stop and get my workout in a couple nights a week. I will probably also find restaurants where I'm going to stop and just grab some dinner on the way home and bring it up to my pad, chow down while I'm watching something on the boob tube, and then jump into the freelance work to keep everybody happy. See? This whole thing started out so fucking gloomy. Oh, man. If I don't find a way to turn all this into something positive all the time, I don't know. If I'm lucky, I'll get one more beach trip in this summer. I have a feeling it's not like I'm going to get hired tomorrow and have to start next week. So maybe I can finagle like an end of August. Because they did mention not only am I being passed over to the person I'd be reporting to if I get this editor job uh, in, the, in the meantime there may be some shoots in August that they're going to bring me in as a freelancer on like an A2 or something like that which was a lot of fun so maybe they aren't thinking that I would be starting until end of August or September and all is not lost for uh, enjoying some summer still in any case I'm trying to spin it the right way. I'm trying to bask in the sun more than cower in the shadows. And I'm glad you're here with me on the journey. As always, keeping us all honest about the fact that we're not alone, that we've got strength within, that mornings are hard. Oh my God. And that the dissociation of displacement is not abnormal, but there is sanctuary and no contact with those who put you into these dire streets, and sometimes that's yourself. And that even though there's sanctuary, sometimes we hit setbacks, and the setbacks are not a reason to stop. It's important to reflect on the recovery because rediscovery is the recovery. And you gotta go through the nightmare to chase the dream, but even still, while you're doing this, beware that the past lurks, right? And there are more. One of these days, I'll actually have the list in front of me instead of having to try to rattle it off from my brain after I've just gone around so many different tangents and rabbit holes. But if any of this is resonating with you, if any of this is bringing things up that you want to share with the show that you want to talk to us about hollow nine podcast at gmail.com that's the word hollow the number nine i-n-e podcast all one word at gmail.com 
I know you're listening to us on Spotify. I hope you're also listening to our other feed on Spotify where we've recently resurrected our Spotlight Interviews show. Lots of cool people telling their stories over there, sometimes much shorter (laughs) installments than this show. So if you just need a quick fix... But there are a few over there that are also on the long side, too. So, you know, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. And there's some new things coming together in the ether here. I definitely got to thank you all out there for being a part of this because this has definitely been a big part of my healing process. I can feel the sort of level of productivity um, constantly being adrenalized and amped up from having gotten as far with this as I have in the past um, consistency was a big problem with me in podcasting and that was again partially because of hanging too much reliance on feeling like I needed other people to be a part of this and the fact that this has gotten so many installments and has been able to go for so many weeks in a row now and that people are listening and that there are numbers coming in and and it's just there's a lot about it that I have a lot to be thankful for so I just want to thank everybody out there who's listening and I really do hope it's helping Um, and if there's anything that we could be doing with this show that we aren't please don't hesitate to let me know Um, I'm working to try to still schedule that Michelle the Secret One interview where we've been chatting. We both have had a lot of life stuff going on right now, Um, but it may be happening at the end of the month here. So that'll be that's going to be a good one. That's going to be like a a nuclear bombshell for all of us because this chick is empowered. Oh, man, her healing journey is an inspiration and I cannot wait to talk to her one on one. So be ready for that. Okay, folks, until next time, I'm David Clone. You've been listening to a production of the Hollow Nine Network. Feeling It, Healing It, A Diary of Recovery, featuring Dave Maresca. Thank you for listening to Feeling It, Healing It, A Diary of Recovery. Dave Maresca is not a trained medical professional, psychologist, psychiatrist, or licensed professional trained in providing therapeutic mental health care. This podcast is an account of his life experiences and meant to be just that. Any advice or suggestions made in the extemporaneous dialogue of the podcast is not intended to be medical or legal advice. If such advice is what you're seeking, you are encouraged to seek out the services of a licensed professional. The Hollow Nine Network and Dave Maraska assume no liability or responsibility for the information provided in these episodes.